Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. I'm Graham Young and today I'm joined by Michael Gannon and David Roney. On the pod today, we'll look over Celtic's excellent performance in their 3-1 victory over Norwegian champions Rosenberg. Are they heading for the Champions League group stage again? Odson Edward is a player brimming with confidence and has the talent to make the difference. We ask, is he now Celtic's undisputed number one striker? And also we'll look at Daniel Arzani, the Australian playmaker, who's been tipped for a switch to Celtic. So, Michael, how are you? I'm good, thank you, Graham. Yourself? Very well. David, join us for the first time. Yes, very good, thank you. Excellent. So, we'll start with Wednesday night. Celtic were started out pretty slowly, but the second half was very impressive. It was. It was an impressive um, result. And uh, after the first half an hour, I think the performance was exceptional. I think... I think Brendan Rodgers admitted to themselves that the, the formation out at his first didn't work. Um, with Callum McGregor kind of um, stuck out in the wide and, and James Forrest to the central role in the 3-5-2. I mean, they changed it around slightly after about 25 minutes and after that they never really looked back. Um, I thought it was, it was really impressive. I mean, the, the start was the worst possible start. But I, I think with this Celtic team now, I think the one thing Rodgers has brought in is he's brought in this, this um, crisis management um, they really are exceptional now at dealing with problems thrown their way. I mean, you look at it on Wednesday night, missing key players, got through it, uh, losing an early away goal, which in past years it's been a disaster and things crumble from that point. Um, it didn't happen on Wednesday. They stayed calm and cool and the second half performance just completely blew Rosenberg away. And I think the only downside was that it wasn't five or six. It could have been. Uh, but no, it was a good performance and an exceptional result. And you think now they're... He's going to finish the job off. I mean, Rosenberg are in an absolute mess right now. Um, they're infighting. The, the, the ex-manager are still having pot shots at the club after his um, dismissal last week. The new guy in charge, to me, looks like the kind of the Dutch Shabba Laszlo. Um, no confidence whatsoever. The team all right, started quite well at Parkhead, but once that um, equalising goal went in, they just crumbled, didn't they? Um, so I expect Celtic to go through from the tie now, but it will be easy. It was quite a weird build-up for a European tie, the fact that everything was going Rosenberg's way and then as soon as the game kicks off, they're ahead within a matter of 15 minutes or so. And you look at players like, say, Jack Hendry, who could have easily been quite spooked. Um, obviously, the Simonovic situation didn't exactly help matters for him, but um, he kind of he grew into that game as more so, and Celtic themselves got a lot more... Um, into the flow that we've seen the past over the past few years, and as soon as they, Edward got that first goal, they were high and flying. They were probably preferred if half the half time whistle didn't come because uh, as soon as they kicked off in the second half, they were off again and um, really looked a threatening goal. As Michael said, it could have easily been uh, four five nil, or uh, well, four five one, I should say. And 
it'd be just interesting if they can keep up the momentum into next week and if Rosenberg can't can have a turnaround perhaps but seeing from the second half performance and late in the first half performance Celtic do look dominant in this tie That's a fair point one man maybe talk about it now Oliver Cham who had a fantastic season last year uh, started very brightly again what did you think his performance the other night? Oh top drawer I thought he was I know um, Edward I think kind of stole the show a wee bit but I think Cham was absolutely superb. I think it's been coming. I think um, it took a, t- a little bit of time to settle last year. I think his first couple of months when he came with a big price tag, remember? And I think yeah. maybe people thought he's not quite, mm-hmm. maybe not um, not showing at that point in time. But I think the second half of the season he was uh, he was excellent. And then the other night he just completely ran the show. Um, the more you watch his goal, the, the better it looks. Um, I think I think I seen like a quote from uh, from Nicholas Bentner. He said it was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, the goal was insane, and it was. I mean, his movement to, to to skin his man. I mean, he sent the defender for a loaf, and I don't think he's back yet. Oh, so he's still waiting in the queue for the bottle. He's still coming up with a hot dog. He's, um, he's he's long gone. It was absolutely superb, and the finish was just. I mean, top drawer. But I think I don't think the goal. Uh, apart from the goal, the goal was just outrageous. But I think apart from that, his general all round play. I don't think it was actually Scott Brown's best night. Um, he got clattered quite early on, uh-huh. and he clattered again, came yeah. mid, mid, mid through the game. Yeah. And I think it maybe I don't know if it subdued him or he was maybe carrying a bit of a knock. Um, but uh, and Cham stepped up into, the, into that void and it just ran the show, didn't he? Yeah. It was um, he's turned into a, a right good player, um, and he's still only twenty two. That's the thing. That? I think one thing I noticed the other night was he, was, he almost became the man who was taking the ball for the defence. A couple of times, the long passes didn't quite come off. It, but the vision that was going through in Cham, obviously Brown played a pivotal role in the night, especially the second half. They were the high press, but that's a big thing as well for a player like him to be. No, that's what I mean. Maybe Brown maybe not having the best of nights. He took the responsibility yeah. and he, he just grabbed the game with the scruff of the neck. Um, I think you have to take it into account. I don't think Rosenberg are any good. I don't think they're any good last year either. But they um, were better last year than. They were marginally better last year, but I, I didn't. I wasn't impressed with them last year, to be honest. I mean, I know Celtic maybe kind of scraped past them. But um, it didn't really show much. I mean, I think Celtic beat them last year with no centre-halves and no strikers. Um, so I think people were already going into this one. But remember last year, the Celtic got through with bare bones. Yep. They weren't. They had a few missing the other night, but they weren't quite as bad off mm-hmm. as they were this time last year. Um, they're not great shakes, and it would be, be disastrous to, to, to stumble next week. But I, don't think, I don't think they will, to be honest. I don't think they've got the quality to, to hurt Celtic. And you look at Bettner up front, he's a big name, but... Mm-hmm. That's all he is, really. I mean, that's now three games against Celtic. He's kind of lumbered uh-huh. um, and not really posed much of a threat. No. Um, so stick the house on a hat trick <laughs> next <laughs> week. <laughs> Give him a hat trick. Somebody's hold up play at times. Iron Henry struggled slightly, but uh, he's not. I don't think it hurt them. I don't think it hurt them particularly well. I think, I think even the Norwegian boys in the press were over. Uh-huh. Um, they were kind of billing it as like an Iyer against Bettner, uh-huh. and they thought Iyer won it at the park. Yeah, hmm. that's fair. I think as well that you have to. Th- Remember that he came back from injury not to, not not too long ago. Obviously missed out in that World Cup squad for Denmark, and um, oh, I felt like almost it was a wake up call from that to get back to fitness and uh, try get Rosenberg into uh, the Champions League for this year. But as you said, despite scoring the la- the previous qualifying round, he just didn't look up it, to shape. There's the a reason why. I mean, he's thirty years old. Yeah. You, you, you think he's about th- you think he's about thirty five. Because um, he's been around for so long, uh-huh. but he's thirty, so he should be at the peak of his career, and he's mm. playing for, with all due respect to Rosenberg, uh-huh. the biggest team in Norway, a big mm. team with a lot of history and all that stuff. But they're not top level European position. Mm. That's why he's there. He's not playing the English Premier League or anywhere else. It's a high standard. 
Um, so I don't think there's any much to fear from him. And they don't have an awful lot else. I like the boy. I like the boy. Mike Jensen in the middle of the park. Ah, he's a good player. I think he's decent. Um, but outside that, mm-hmm. I don't think we should be too much to worry about next week. Do you, no. So you should just give credit though to the Rosenberg keeper. They made even though if they, you could say on paper they concede three goals, but yeah. he was making fantastic saves. Oh, he saved them center. from a bleaching, yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. He really kept them in the tie for some part of it. Um, so they've got a two-goal deficit they could come back from if Celtic don't turn the gears on next week. But um, there's still a chance, obviously, for Rosenberg. But as we said earlier, Celtic just looked very good uh, a t- uh, couple of days ago. Mystic, Mick, look into your crystal ball. What will the score be next week? I think it'll be. I think it'll be a narrow Celtic victory. I don't. I don't think it'll be. Celtic can get an early goal. I mean, I think they can really turn the screw on them. I, I, I do think they could be quite comfortable because I think they've got to come out. And then when they come out, that's when I think Celtic have got the ability to hurt them. Um, I think they've got a lot of pace. Um, a lot of pace through the transition, as, yeah, as the would say these days. Don't, don't know what it means, but yeah, apparently. Uh, they're really quick in transition yeah, Celtic that's what about that low block can you get my, my football bible out and see what it means <laughs> uh, dictionary terms um, I think it means they're quick in the break um, but they can I mean they've got that, that out um, Edward who looks as though he should be I mean pretty slow he's actually really quick uh, over, a, over a burst uh, well you saw him for the third goal the other night he left his man behind him in, in his wake um, and turning on a, on a, on a loss of possession so I think Celtic will get chances to, to score. Celtic score early, they'll, they'll hammer them. The other side of things, if, if they come out all guns blazing, Rosenberg can get an early goal, that's another one of these crisis management situations Celtic need to deal with because then they've got hope. They only need two, I guess. Um, but like, like I say, they've, they've shown that they can deal with these moments. I mean, it, there's always going to be times in terms of qualifiers when it's, it gets right hairy. I mean, I, I've been, I was in, um, in Hapoel Beersheva and the first half was, I mean, Celtic fans were hiding behind their, their, their fingers watching that first half. They survived it. I was in Astana last year when they had a 25-minute spell when the, the whole world caved in on them. And if people were thinking their five-goal lead wasn't going to be enough for about 25 minutes until they kind of calmed the storm. So they do have these periods and these qualifiers when they have to kind of go in and bear it. But I don't think that will happen next week. I don't think Rosenberg will get the pace, the power, the threat to, to turn up and, and, and bring that intensity to, to create those, those periods of stress. So I think they should be alright, but my prediction would be one 0 Celtic on to Greece. I think it also helps Saminovic coming back as well. Uh, you expect Jack Hendry, even though Gamboa played very well uh, the right back position, he's not played less than a handful of games for Celtic since he's joined. But you'd expect Hendry to go back on the right and Saminovic to slot back in. So with that already, you can expect just a, a tough defence to break down. So. Um, I'm thinking with Mike on this one, probably an hour win, but you can see Celtic going through maybe 1 0, 2 1, or something along those lines. Excellent. And with that result, means Celtic win the third qualifying round, and that's where things look a bit trickier already. Like Athens last year, the eight games Europa League didn't lose any of them. Do you think it could be a different, if obviously it will depend on the get past Rosenberg? It's a pretty, it's a pretty tough draw, but there's not many that aren't really. You look on yeah, paper and think you can argue, draw, you can yeah. argue, you can argue amongst all these sides that could have got that they're all going to pose problems. The only good thing is that the Greek season doesn't start to August twenty fifth. Yeah. And you look at um, the Hibs tie last night, and the Greek side fell apart um, late on, didn't they? Yeah. Um, so fitness might be an issue next week, next next well two weeks now. I guess another week down the line. Yeah. Um, but their season is way off starting. So I know Celtic, I know Scotland start 
um, next weekend. But Celtic have had these qualifiers, yeah. so they, ha- they are more game ready. Mm-hmm. So that might be a, a wee advantage um, to Celtic. But it's tough. It will be tough. It's, it's going to be, I think, another one of these, another one, as I mentioned, these Beersheva and Astana jobs, yeah. that it could be a hairy one. Um, but both of those uh, hairy moments were okay because the scored five goals at home in both of those games. Well, you so think it was going to be okay, but it didn't turn out <laughs> that way. And you're, and you're writing a, a thousand word live match report. It, was, um, it wasn't just Celtic fans in the crowd that were panicking. Uh, it was, um, but I think that could that that one could be a, a pretty um, um, tough tie. I think so. But like I say, I think they've got enough. To, to, to give it a good go and it's, it's going to be hard enough to get to the group stages I mean it really is and the thing is now I mean I, don't, I, say I don't rate Rosenberg that, that highly to be honest with you but you think in your qualification process usually like a cup competition yep. the standard of opposition tends to improve as you go along yep. whereas in the Champions League qualifiers it's all the same teams that Champions route is all the same teams so once you get by that first that first Diddy round you get to the second round you kind of hit a plateau in the second, third, and playoff round. They're all the same. The, the teams that they aren't, there isn't the rising standard of opposition. Yep. Even I know there's teams that come in at certain qualifiers, but even the ones that come in, mm-hmm. I don't think are that much better than the ones that are already That's in that. the competition. Yeah. So that, that and um, once you're in there, even if you're a seed, I don't think because if you're a seed, you're replacing somebody who's unseeded. You might you might replace a league of Warsaw who don't become a seed, then you hit them in the draw. Yeah. But could one easily be the other way around. So I think you have a plateau of, of ability and, and opposition, and it's it's tough every step of the way. There's no there's no gradient. There's no steps up mm-hmm. to the toughest tie in the last one because yep. they're all going to be tough. Just going back and the fact about Athens season not starting till end of August. If you go back just back to February, we're talking about Zenit. Zenit obviously we're in their off season and we're going training camps in Turkey and whatever, and uh, the results really weren't going in their favour and. Even though they lost uh, the leg at Parkhead, they beat Celtic three uh, 0 in St Petersburg. So anything can happen in these games. Uh, it's just a matter of the mentalities there for the players that they've they've come back after a long summer and can show up. And Celtic obviously confidence is flying high at the moment, but can they put a performance in to match that? There we are. So that covers the Champions League qualification for Celtic just now. We turn to player in particular, a man who's been impressing everyone this summer. Odson Edward, club record signing, scoring goals, skinning players for fun. Is he the main man at Celtic now, Mick? you got to think so now. With injury problems to Dembele and Griffiths, I think he's... I think, I mean, Rodgers would, would, would love to have had the two of them, um, Dembele and Edward. And he worked on it all in pre-season and, and then early qualifying, the first qualifying round, the two of them playing together. And it was starting to look brilliant. I mean, the two of them were... Are really sharp, look really fit, and they're linking up really well. I mean, defenses. I mean, play two of them. I don't think defenses would, would cope. But in Scotland, certainly not wouldn't cope. Um, so losing Dembele again is a blow. He was it, playing very well, wasn't he? He, he came back looking looking really sharp, and he um, hit, hit the ground running. But getting injured again. I mean, he's, he can't seem to get a run. Dembele of, of fitness. His his hamstrings seem to go. I mean, it is a thing with players with pace, isn't it? But it's starting to look like it's happening all too often whereas Edward apparently took a knock last week shrugged it off and played on Wednesday night and was just superb wasn't he sublime um, so there's a case to, to make him the, the, the lone kind of front man but I think he's got more of his game than just being a front man I think he is good off that just off role as well I think, especially coming in from the left I think he's, he's looked at he can play that role as well um, but he's he's certainly set his stall out and it's if you're if you're actually if you're if you're Mr. Dembele, 
who has been the star turn and linked with every club in Europe and, and then some. I think if you're him, you may be thinking, wait a minute, I better get back together here because this guy is still on the show. Yeah. Um, so he's got to be careful doing Bailey. I mean, it, listen, he's got to be fit. It's, it's not it's not his fault that he's, he's not fit. But um, you need to be careful because at the moment it looks like he's, he's, his pal is, is going to be the main man. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly for the next couple of qualifiers, until, for the next two weeks anyway, until Dumbelli's back. And if you keep the assists up, there's no guarantees that uh, he'll, he'll um, replace him. But I suspect Rogers will try and play the two of them because it's a hell of a strong front line if you get two of them in the, in the park at the same time. I would have said the same for Lee Griffiths, though. Imagine two seasons ago when Dumbelli first arrived, Griffiths was playing games and he got injured and Dumbelli went on a long run. Then the belly got injured, and then Griffiths is back in, and Griffiths for so many years at Celtic's been used to being the main man, and then in a matter of two years, um, if we're looking at it now, he's probably third in the pecking order. Like for a player of Griffiths' standards, you've seen him both at national level and club level. Would he be content being third third choice as well? Like Dembele, he's injured at the moment and wouldn't be back for another few weeks, if not a month yet. But for a player of his standard, his ability. Yeah, but then Lee. I think Lee does look at the longer game, yeah. and that for all Dembele and, and Edward are now ahead of him in the pecking order, mm. they're not going to be around forever. Yeah, I mean, he's got the con- He's got a contract that lasts until two thousand and forty-eight or something like that. He wants to extend it mm. um, because he knows that. Listen, I'd love to. I'm, I've done it before. Previous previous years went through the list of strikers that the Griffiths has seen off at Celtic, mm. and it's about a dozen at least yeah. in, in three or four years. He's managed to see them off. He's always been. Replaced by someone else, and then he's lasted outlast them and come back. Mm-hmm. Um, so I expect he'll, he'll still have a major part to play, Griffiths. Mm-hmm. I mean, but he's got to get himself fit as well. I mean, last year was a bit of a write off, he needs to be fit. And it was so strange as well because with Rogers, when he came in, you thought, oh, this will this will benefit. You'll see the best of Griffiths' fitness plus his skill. But he's been the one player who, when I know Dembele's been injured at times, but he wasn't injured often before he played a lot of games. It wasn't, he was always, yeah, it's just. These muscle injuries are really costing him. His calves, isn't it? He's yeah. problems with his calves, apparently, in, in yeah. recent years. And it's he waits to see a specialist, doesn't he? Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're hoping this, this might have, have finally got to the bottom of it uh-huh. and give him a run. Because you see his real desire that he wants to play, he wants to score goals. Was it the, the Partick Thistle game a couple of seasons ago when he got subbed off for in 60 minutes into the game and he... He was having a word with Brendan, yeah, and, right, yeah. and Brendan just told him to sit down. So yeah. he's he's hungry for goals. He's hungry to play, but if he if but he gets fit, I think he's also realistic. I mean, yeah. I mean, these guys, Dembele and Edward, for every inch look like multi-million pound players, and they're going to be they're not mm. going to be at Celtic forever. I mean, mm. I think we know Dembele's going to move on sooner rather than later um, for big money. And Edward, he's going to follow a similar path. This is not his last port of call at Parkhead. This is his, his, probably his first big port of call. He'll go eventually for big money as well. So Griffiths, if he just sits tight and keeps fit and does what he's asked to do, the good chances he'll, he'll get runs in team anyway because the way the season, it's a long season, 60-game season probably for Celtic most years. So he'll play, still play 20 games a season and still get 10, 15 goals if he stays fit. So I think he's, I think he understands that and he'll be, be wise to kind of stay put and see what happens. So on Edward, obviously very impressive at the start of the season, but I'll ask you the now, Mick. He's a bit. He's got the potential. His ability, everything about his game. He's got the potential to be the best striker since. Oh, see, this is it's the best since Larson, isn't it? No, it? It's always the best. Since, it's always the best. Well, he's, well, he's finished all night. Was last night, wasn't yeah, it? It was last night. It was. Um, but do you think take away Larson? Best since Dembele. Is he better than Dembele? Do you think he's got the potential to be better than Dembele? 
Um, Even looking at their careers at Celtic and beyond? I think it's too early to say, because I think... Um, I think it's a wee bit early to say. Um, they both seem to be down a similar path. I think that both of them will go on and and have in pretty stellar careers. I think they'll do well at Celtic, and I think they will make the club mega money at some point in the line. Um, so I think the two of them are going down similar paths. Is he better than Dembele? I think Dembele, a fully fit and firing Dembele is some force, really. I mean, there's a reason why his scoring record for France 21s is frightening as well. Um, there's a reason why all these big clubs have been keeping tabs on for a long time. Um, he just needs to get fit. But when he is fit and firing, he's he's fearsome. Edward is maybe not quite at that stage just yet, but he's getting there quick. I mean, the way he's come back this, this, this season. I mean, Brendan Rodgers, he says he took a, a bit of exception to saying to him last week that he's come back like a new man with this, this, this permanent deal. He says that we're looking at him through different eyes. That he's, he's a nine million pound player. We're now seeing him as a nine million pound player, whereas he's not, he's not changed from last year. I don't know if I agree. I think he has come back with a bit of a swagger. I think he's come That's back. That's an age thing as well. From nineteen to twenty, it's the next maybe step maybe up. more settled as well. He's had yeah. his season under his belt, but I think he's, I think he's come back looking like he's back between his teeth uh-huh. to be a because I mean, he was in and out last year. He wasn't he wasn't playing every week. Um, but there was flickers moments from maybe January to March, and then obviously after the, the goal at Ibrox. After that, he seemed to kick on again. Off. But he, he just looks like a man. I mean, that, his, his, his second goal, his both goals, I thought were really well taken all night. But his second goal to have that confidence and audacity. When you're running through and goal, the tie is two one. The tie is right in the balance. So a third goal is is massive in terms of the overall um, tie, and to, to dink the goalie, <laughs> I mean that's just ridiculous for a kid that twenty years old. Don't get enough of those anymore, do you? you don't get well. many. Don't get many dinks. I think it was. Um, I mean, not even scanning his head. <laughs> um, but so it's, it just shows you his confidence. I mean, as he's obviously flying just now, um, and it, so much so that. that you think losing Dembele is a disaster, but it's not because he is as emerging as the main man. I think that the big difference for me between the two is Edward's got that burst of pace that, for example, the third goal that he can get away from the defender. It was a question if it was onside or offside, but he still had the pace to break through there and to have that space to finish. Whereas Dembele at the end of the game for, for hold up play, for example, at the corner flag, he's a player that can bully defenders and get players uh, off him quite easily. Whereas Edward needs just that gap and that moment to get away through and go. I think the difference as well in the air. I think Dembele in the yeah. air is fantastic head mm-hmm. of the ball. Whereas at the moment, Edward, it's um, you could fit a daily record under his, under his, <laughs> his feet when he's jumping, but that will come. I mean, I'd imagine they'll be stinging balls into the box and training all the time yeah. to work on that. But um, it's a minor, a minor kind of negative uh-huh. in terms of all the game. difference, and I think it's a really good point actually because Dembele. As we said, they played very well pre-season, but that physicality, they, they put, two of them are dovetailing brilliantly, uh, and it is, it's a different, you see Tierney who specialises, he's low cross, he's Edward's quite good at getting touches on, but they do, if that was a better team than Rosenberg uh, the other night, they could have maybe, they were a bit tighter, a bit more compact at 1-0 down, they definitely missed that, I think that's maybe something to watch. Yeah, I think Edward's, he's physical as well, I mean, oh, he's some size of a boy, I mean, he's, um, he's a tough, a tough big kid. Um, I think Dembele's got a bit of pace as well, mind you. I know, I know we're talking about his pace. I think Dembele's, especially that initial burst, mm-hmm. I think he's he's quite quick as well. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see how the two of them will go. I mean, I don't know. The problem being the money situation in England and, and is, is so crazy that, that 25, 30 million quid now for them is nothing. And they might see these kind of guys and think, oh, we'll just go and stick 25 million pounds in for it, which is huge for Celtic, but nothing for them. Um, so it's how long can they keep hold of them? Um, it's all the big question but the good thing is I think Edward seems to be 
quite sensible. Billy, Billy Dembele was as well. Go, I think he planned to go and do a year or two and then go, but his injury problems have set him back maybe. They may have to wait now, Dembele, potentially. I still think that could happen this, this window. But uh, I think Edward might say, give me a season and then I'll maybe think about it then. I think we're on the same path as, as Dembele was maybe a year ago. But we'll see. a big loss though if both, both strikers have a great season and the next time they both leave. But that's the, da- that's the danger. That's... Surely, surely Celtic's got to keep a hold of one of them. I don't, I, yeah, but it's, it's not not really in their hands because mm. it, the, if they get a bid of thirty million quid for a for a guy, then and they and they want to go, there's not a lot they can really do. I mean, it's all right saying we need, we're not selling anyone. No one's for sale. Mm. Everyone's got a price. It doesn't matter if you're Celtic or anyone else. I mean, unless you're Real Madrid or Barcelona, mm. um, everyone's got a price, and it's unfortunately Celtic can't. Turning those up, that those kind of figures that are getting banded around, or will get banded around for these kind of guys. Um, it's a case of enjoying them while, while they're there, because that's the reason why they get them in at certain deals. I mean, nine million for Edward is a mega outlay for Celtic; it's the biggest in twenty years. But it's already looking like a snip, because if he plays for six months, somebody is going to make a phone call in January. If if, if Edward plays the way he's playing now for six months, gets Celtic the Champions League, scores a couple of goals in the Champions League. Bangs them in Scotland, and come January, somebody in England's going to pick up the phone, and they're and they're back where they were two years ago with Dembele in January when they're talking. The bid was going up and up and up to 35, 35 million quid. That's what happened because people, teams are crying out for strikers. Celtic will get that nine, nine million pound back and then some. I'm, I'm convinced they'll double their dough on him, no matter what. Um, and if he plays well, do you think then, even more can we go higher, or do you think he's the first player to Edward to go into that maybe twenty to thirty million bracket? Do you think there's potential for that? Or? I think, I think the market is bonkers. I think, I think it's what you do in Europe. Harry Maguire's like, going for 65 million quid, apparently. Because um, we, we <laughs> it's bing boggling. In the Belly's first season, we saw the goals against Manchester City. I think they get one against Montreal Gladbach as well, from right and saying. Yeah, penalty. Uh, penalty. Yeah. Two Man City, one against Montreal And like, yeah. obviously, Man City were probably a shadow of what they were the next season. Um, well, in that season compared to, to the, well, they they were, they were, yeah. the game went to Parkhead Man City had one ten in the bounce yeah. and they were talking about unbeaten season mm-hmm. and Celtic beat uh, the first team in, in, uh-huh. to take points off them and Spurs beat them the weekend uh, after yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so at that time Man City were coming the old conquering Man City when, when mm-hmm. um, Celtic played well against them but it, it showed yeah. that Dembele's ability to perform against these big against, teams against 100 million pounds worth of centre-half so, yeah. so I think it's a matter of if Celtic make the Champions League they get a good draw uh, maybe one of the kind of high-profile teams in there for you, like Bayern Munich or PSGs, some to the last season, and he scores goals against them. I think that's when you know, uh, the clubs get alerted and have a look at okay, yeah, let's have a look at the striker, let's monitor him for a few months. I think that's a very fair point. Turning to transfers now, Mick Daniel Arzani, Australian playmaker, someone called him the best Australian since Harry Kewell, tip for the top. You're obsessed with the best since, is it? Oh yes, that's what. People want to know, don't they? So, best since Harry Hughes, say, very talented playmaker, played at the World Cup. What do we think could be a useful addition? Does he fill that kind of lone Masonda Patrick Roberts role? Or? Well, certainly we hope he doesn't fill the Masonda role because that was, um, that was, that was a hole in the career. squad, unfortunately. That didn't work out. Um, sounds like an exciting talent. Um, interesting one. Um, a lot of clubs in Europe were after him. Um, touted for a well now as one of the top prospects in Australia apparently the best since Harry Kuehl some yeah, we heard somewhere um, so Man City looks like they'll be getting him and then sticking him out on loan um, interesting I mean he's 
it's quite a. I mean, I wasn't particularly paying attention watching him come off the bench three times for Australia at the time, but um, looking back at some of the footage, he looks quite um, quite a slight wee guy. Um, you think Masonda was quite similar, and maybe I don't think the physicality was anything to do with Masonda not not settling at Celtic Park. I don't think it had anything to do with it, to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think he could he could, he could come in and, um, and and make an impact. Do you think? That sounds like a kind of player that might might, might be coming and get to do a job. Don't know. I mean, Celtic. I, mean, I think they are in the market for a wide player. Um, whether it's a development player like him, we have to wait and see. Um, I don't know. Um, but yeah, but it sounds like a prospect. So it sounds like an exciting one. I think so. The main concern for me looking at him is the fact that although he can play along the right into the middle, predominantly he's been playing on the left. And you look at when Masondo came in, he had Sinclair. Hayes, and then you've got Lewis Morgan now on the left-hand side. Can he get better and break past those players and get in the team? For me, it's it's a tough ask. If he plays on the right, you can rest Forrest for so many games. Obviously, one Celtic's best players last season and could get some game time. But if he wants to play along the left, I think it's a tough ask. So you'll need to... Brendan's probably one of the best coach to kind of... To, in that stage of his career to development and move him around and try different positions but um, he'll he'll definitely need to adapt if he if he moves to Celtic but there's one thing developing players but Celtic they, they're, they're, this is not a, a, a crash this is not somewhere to be just be babysitting someone to get them better and all that stuff it's a tough environment demands are high at Celtic I mean especially in the European stage and I think I think Rodgers wants players who will improve he's starting to live in for Europe, because let's be honest, it's not for Scotland. I mean, he's got enough to cope with um, a domestic campaign. But it's will these guys improve Celtic as a European team? That's the key question that that, that keeps coming around every single year. Yep. Will these guys make Celtic better where it really matters, i.e. Champions League? Um, would this kid make them better on that level? We don't know. I mean, he might be a superstar. He might come and hit the ground running and be this, the next sensation. Could be the next. Could be the Australian Lionel Messi for all we know. Um, I don't Harry Kuehl, what you want to have. Um, Harry Kuehl's underwhelming, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, you've got to pick. I, I know, I know. I think uh, the best what, is Tam Rogic, should we know? Obviously, European stage is very intimidating for a player, especially a young one, but what's going is in his favour, as you touched on, that he, he's played in uh, three uh, World Cup matches for Australia. May Australia themselves didn't maybe play the best they could have in the World Cup this year, but he's still got that experience at a major tournament. Uh, at such a young age as well, so it it could it could work in his favour going to Celtic, and if he does play in a Champions League game, could cope with the pressure. But at the same time, is a tough ask for a player of his age to to come in. That's all good points talking about Zani there. What about other places in the pitch? If you you're talking about a first team player coming in for Celtic, would it be right back, centre half? Where do you think if there was money there? Rogers has banned me from talking about centre halves because uh, I've been I've been questioning him on centre halves for um, about eighteen months. Um, I think he's fed up me asking him about centre halves. I still think it's near the pitch that has to be addressed. Um, I know Boyata's coming back, so you're thinking. I think Chris, Christopher Ayer has now kind of made himself undroppable. I thought he was I thought he was terrific the other night. Listen, I'm not. 100% convinced about him as centre half but um, it's something I think he is improving um, 
I thought he was was very good the other night. Um, Boston runs are becoming the stuff of legend, aren't they? Yeah, he's he, he looks like a football player, doesn't he? Yeah, he likes that. Rogers likes a like ball playing centre half. Simonovic, I think, is in a sticky wicket at Parkhead. I think he's, I think he's running out of life at, at Celtic. I think. Um, I mean, a couple of injuries here and there. Silly red card last week. I mean, that was just. We saw it. He had a silly red card against Rangers as I mean, well. That's another one, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just about keeping a cool head in those moments. And if you're comparing Ayer to Simonovic, to who has a bit, you know, a bit more composure, you'd probably say Ayer. Yeah. I think in terms of being a defender, I think Simonovic maybe have the advantage in terms of being a proper defender. Um, when he arrived, I thought he was he was kind of kind of raw as a pound of inch, but he's still kind of raw. I think he's. I don't know. I think, and there's you say question marks. Fitness hasn't been great. Never played a full season. But um, you all say about Bayata, by the way. You could, he's never played a full season either um, in his career. And he's now 25, 26. He needs to stay fit. Um, Do you think Boyata will be there end of the summer? Um, I think he might be. But if if someone came in with a silly bid for for Boyata, I think Celtic should snap the hand off for it. As long as they've got somebody lined up to come in, they're doing cover. Um, remember, listen, go back. I must admit, I think it's quite funny. This, this last week, when, when's Boyata back from the World Cup? When's he getting back? Get him off the beach, you know that stuff. If he said this back in April when he's when he tripped over himself at Ibrox in the first minute, I think most other fans were saying, Pick, "Let him stay in the beach." Um, but yeah, but then it's like I think it's it's a bubble baldification of some certain players that when I mean, they're not around, they become better players. Boyata has come on a ton under Rodgers at Celtic. Up when he, that, that first January, he chucked him in against Albion Rovers. From nowhere um, till now, I think he has improved. Um, but when, when Boyata has a bad one, it tends to to just drink the place out. Uh, he has got that in his game, but that's why he's not getting quoted for sixty-five million quid. But if a five million pound bid comes in for Boyata, I think Celtic would be a year to go on his contract. Wish him all the best, uh, and trying and source, try and source another another kind of. Difficult in the market to find a kind of up and coming Van Dyke, that's for sure. I mean, like finding Van Dyke and that's Holland. said a lot as well. People, the idea that oh, there is bargains to be had, but I think Van Dyke's a once in a generate that a player who's yeah, he might be at that price. Yeah, again. yeah. Ben, you look at, I mean, Manyama, these guys, there's a good few of them. Forrester, when he first went down Southampton, was like for a good few years, was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, but he wasn't, he wasn't exactly hiding, he was, he was yeah. Newcastle reserve keeper, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do think there is there are guys out there you can go and get. But if a year ago his contract, if we had to, the big money comes in. Thanks for your help, big man, and all the best in your future endeavours. Mm. Uh, so there we are, talking transfers. One last one, Mick. There, right back. There's been suggestions that could be an area strength. Can you see that happening? I think that's an area that he is looking at because there's, there's, there's a think like a cover there. I know Gamboa came in the other night. I thought he didn't. I thought he came on a game. I don't, wasn't at first I thought he looked a wee bit till the shape when the shape changed when, when Forrest moved to the right side I thought that actually helped Gamboa as well because um, I wasn't all that sure in the first half an hour uh, um, I wasn't particularly I seen, he's been unlucky Gamboa because he seems to get chucked in by a new, a way, a new de- debut like debut the new camp <laughs> I mean Barcelona scored in two minutes and it's 7 nothing. the poor guy tends to get chucked in when it's really tough but um it was good. I thought he did decent that night, but that, I think but people people are quite quick to, to kind of dismiss Lustig and say that. Yeah. Um, but if you're t- going to buy a Lustig, I mean Lustig's got sixty five caps for Sweden, played at World Cups. 
think it's three World Cups now or something, or two Euros and a World Cup or something. Yeah, one more. He's, uh, he's um, to go out and buy, if you'd seen his CV, and you've got a 30-year-old 65 cap Sweden International, people would be, be doing handstands in the street saying that kind of player, so I wouldn't be writing off the list quite yet. But they do need, bit, when you get flogged to bits, I think he was, he looked like it was um, pretty, um, held together by blood tack at times last year or so. But I think that's an area they'll need to kind of maybe look at. Um, so I don't think Gimbo is a long-term solution at right back, and I think Lustig can't be relied on for the whole season because at some point he's, they need to take a bit off him. Uh, um, I think that's the Ruben area. So centre back, right back, I think are areas that that need to be addressed um, up front if they keep the two. But uh, the market they're depending on the market. I don't know. I was waiting for a accident to go off there. We didn't mention John McGinn once. And- Roughly not mentioning John McGinn. He should not be named. Yeah. Would you look at Ralston again then? Right back, bring him back through, play against PSG. Again, another heavy scrolling, but look for the most part comfortable at the right back role. Uh, Ralston, I don't think uh, there's a danger. Ralston was kind of billed as the kind of right side of Kieran Tierney, but I don't think he is. I don't think he's at that level. I think he's got a kid with potential, but I don't think he's he's there yet. I'm not quite sure if he's ready for that step up yet. I don't. I mean, it chucked in against PSG that night. I don't, I don't understand, to be honest with you, that thinking behind it. I know it was, there was issues with regarding availability that night, but I think that was a. I mean, that was a Lamster slaughter job up against um, up against Neymar. Um, so I don't think uh, Ralston's got. I think he's a lot to prove still. Because um, he didn't do an incredible amount at Dundee United mm, for no, half season. No, I don't. Basil name checked him, but said he would have been in big trouble <laughs> if he hadn't had him. And they yeah, yeah. as well. No, so. I think, no, I think, listen, I think he's. No, I, I'm not being down on the kid. I think he's decent. I think he's, 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 a, he's a decent prospect. I mean, he's got I mean, great physique and determination and all that stuff. And he is. He's, I think he was burning a wee bit. I think people were calling him new Danny McGrain and all that stuff. I think, oh, steady on. It's about you and your new, new Harry Kewles yeah, and your yeah, new Daniel Larson's. Not a man for hyperbole. <laughs> um, but I think he's. I think he will eventually make the grade. Whether it's a Celtic, I don't know. But he's he's got point of talent, but I don't think he's there yet. Not, not quite there yet. Well, that's all for today. Thanks very much for joining us, guys. Uh, if you want to keep in touch with all things Celtic, listen to the podcast on a weekly basis. And if you want to get in touch with us and continue the debate, you can by tweeting us at record underscore sport or myself at Graham underscore young 27. Michael, your Twitter handle, please. I'm not, I'm not young. <laughs> I'm not young. Uh, at Michael Gannon. Yeah, and nice to yourself. Uh, at D-Roney, uh, R-O-N-N-E-Y. Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Acast to the podcast as soon as it's available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening.